0: Welcome to another episode of Let's Discuss It Podcast. So, you know, the past couple of weeks I've come upon some free time, and I really think that audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, anything that will basically help entertain you or educate you in any way, a Netflix series documentary, stuff like that, I think all that is beneficial when it comes to discussing and having a debatable conversation with someone because you're a little more informed. I've been reading on this um, blog the past couple of weeks, and uh, I got the young lady sitting here with me. Her name is Chelsea. I'm gonna let her introduce her blog and we're gonna get into the conversation. Chelsea, how are you doing today?
1: I'm good, how are you?
0: I'm good. How hot is it outside? Jeez. Too hot. <laughs> like I broke a sweat walking from my truck to my <laughs> to my front door. Um, talk to us about your blog. Give us What's the name of your blog?
1: So my blog is Life With No Limit. Um, I started it after no one was diagnosed. That's my son with autism and um, it's honestly really therapeutic to me. That's why I started it to help me get through it. Um,
0: Did you feel like you had a hard time with the with the diagnosis? Because I know, I know with my experience, I know what I dealt with, and with this being your first son, you're dealing with it in a whole different way. We're gonna get into your blog, but like that's the one thing a lot of people don't ever admit. Like you, the first thing you came out the gate was, "This is a good thing for me," to like you know, vent, and this is a good thing for me to, like, deal with what I'm dealing with now. How did that get you by, that blog?
1: Well, I've always kind of known that he was different, but after getting the official diagnosis, you know, I can't lie and say that it didn't bother me, because I already knew, but because it did. Um, So, the blog just helps me Kind of get my emotions out, you know. Whether I do have someone to listen to me or not, I'm typing it out, and you know if it can help somebody else, then that's why I do that.
0: But do you think it's more like a constructive outlet for you to deal with uh, with a certain like? Because when you have a kid who's disabled, and you have a situation where you're expecting the unexpected because you don't know like you've never had a relative that had autism right right and and neither and i've never had anyone who had cerebral palsy like noah so i never understood like how to prepare yourself even when you can give you can get the books you can read on it research it you can do all that but nothing would ever tell you how to actually deal with a day-by-day situation you can go get like well noah Getting in the car and leaving right away just to go do something that you want to do spontaneously doesn't work for me Right. because I have to get a bag ready. I have to make sure his pump is charged. I have to make sure I have his bag. I got to load his wheelchair. I got to make sure he's dressed. I got to make sure he's not wet. You know, I got to make sure his diaper's changed. I have to make sure that everything is accordingly checked off before I can actually put him in the car. I know you're not dealing with that type of thing, but in 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 the retrospect of it, you're still dealing with an emotional issue of having to prepare yourself for this um why the name for the blog
1: life with no limit um so I'm a nurse one day I was working for a different doctor this was during the time I was pregnant and he said what are you naming your little boy I said Nolan Emmett Emmett's his middle name he said Nolan Emmett that kind of sounds like no limit so that's how I got life with no limit
0: mm. That's actually a good play on words, especially yeah. when you flipped around some, something that someone said off as an offhand remark. How did that comment make you feel when he said that or when that person you said You know, that? it
1: made me, it just kind of made me laugh because I was like, yeah, boy, he's going to, you know, just be wild and have no limits in life. And then when all this came about, um, you know, that still played in my head over and over again. And, you know, whether he has a disability or not, um, I know he'll have a life, and he'll have no limits with whatever he does, so that's really why I named the blog that, and it's just, I'm just reminded of that all the time. Anytime, you know, we have any issues or um, step backs, you know, he'll have no limits.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, you're always going to be that supportive parent, just like any other parent who has a kid with a disability, like, I think... You don't really know what you're capable of as a parent until you actually get into a situation like this. Right. Because, like, all right, so when Noah was born, I didn't, I didn't, ha- I mean, I didn't have this issue with Jude because Jude wasn't disabled. But, like, I had to really learn patience. And that's not easy when... It's not easy when you're impatient with everything else in life, but like, like you get, when you have a kid, yeah, I mean, you'll get a little patient because then you're like, ah, well, you know, it's my son or my daughter and I can, I can deal with it a little bit better if it was someone else's kid acting like that. You know, the patience does like grow on you and it does help you learn how to deal with certain things. But I think the hardest thing for me was I used to get a lot of looks and that, that was hard for me at first because I hated going places when noah first got his wheelchair because it wasn't that i hated noah being there but i hated the looks that he got when they didn't think i saw it do you ever come into those issues
1: um so no one has meltdowns there's a difference between tantrums and a meltdown meltdowns with autism you know he has no control over it um he just you know goes way laying on my face um And, you know, that's never happened in public before, but it's always a big fear of mine. What if it does happen in public? You know, people stare. Are they going to make comments like, do you not know how to discipline your child? You know, what they don't know is he has no control over it whatsoever. Um, The blessing, I guess, you can look from his autism is that he he won't notice the stares around him. He won't get it that people are staring at him because of what he's doing. I'll know it. I'll see it, and it'll bother me. But the blessing about it for sure is that he won't get that people are staring at him. Right. So,
0: I think that the hardest thing for someone to acknowledge the looks and everything is that it becomes more frequent, and you can either get a thick skin about it or it's going to continuously bother you to where you're going to recluse yourself because, like, you feel like you're a bother to people or, like, you're inconveniencing people.
1: Completely socially isolated.
0: Yeah, and with me, it's just like, and, like, even with you just hearing you say that, it's like you don't want to inconvenience your surroundings. You just want to go do your day-by-day with your son, like, and you shouldn't have to worry about it. People are saying, well, oh, you know, she's not doing this or why isn't she handling this? Because, I mean, me growing up, before I had Jude, or Noah, or any or presley any of my kids like i used to look at people in restaurants and be like damn like I, she needs to whoop that kid like that kid is acting right. out like you know and i used to be the same way
1: and i mean speaking about that you know before no one's my only so this is what the only thing i've ever known you know having a special needs child but um i use the r word religiously yeah. you know and and you know you 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 don't think about those things when you're young and before you have kids and you don't realize that it can happen to you mm-hmm. and change your entire life um
0: yeah the 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 vernacular they changed it to what do they change it now to i can't remember mental disability mm-hmm. something that to that nature like saying the r-word back then it was thrown around so loosely as a just an offhand right. comment or just like a way to insult somebody that you know, right? You're friends like, with. we
1: didn't do it literally, you know, yeah, but towards each other, you know, checking each other, yeah. you know.
0: <laughs> so, um, you know, with you having one, one child, like, were you trying to have a child, or was it a surprise living dangerously? Or, <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, um, I got married in May of 2016, yeah, and um, shortly after that, I was diagnosed with PCOS, mm-hmm. that's polycystic ovarian syndrome, and one of the main symptoms of of that is infertility so um it took us over a year to get pregnant and so when i took a pregnancy test it was just a it was randomly i would take them all the time and i know they'd be negative you know so i just took one randomly one day like i always did and it was positive um had no idea i was pregnant no symptoms of being pregnant whatsoever um so yeah it was a big shock I mean, just like anybody else, though, I mean, it was, you were scared. Yeah. So.
0: Were you you more shocked that you didn't think that you would ever see that type of test? Or was it more of a, I'm just going to take this so I can be disappointed again? Were you already used to denial at that point? Right.
1: I was a very depressed person during that time. Especially because you know you just get married and and you're thinking to yourself, "Wow, this man just married me, not knowing that I may not can ever make him a dad or anything mm-hmm. like that." Um, so the whole honeymoon phase after you get married, that was pretty much gone. Yeah, yeah. I would I would just cry in the shower, and I remember him telling me one time, "Like you got to snap out of it; you're literally a dead person walking." So
0: because you were like a you were. At that time, when you felt like you were never going to have a a kid, like you were emotionally damaged,
1: like I was, and I mean, I was really bitter. Um, You know, I would see high school friends on Facebook having their baby showers and stuff like that, and I would just question God. You know, why don't I deserve to? You know, why don't I deserve to get to be a mom?
0: Right. So when you did see that pregnancy test, did you think it was a false pregnancy? Was that any of that crossed your mind?
1: No, none of it. I was just like literally in shock.
0: Mm-hmm. Did you cry? I did. You cried, right? Did yeah. you Did you call your husband and let him know immediately? Yeah, he was
1: actually like right there and he knew I was taking a test. Um. And he, I was acting like it was positive and he was like, no, it's not. No, it's not. Let me see. And then I showed him and we were just in, <laughs> we were just in shock.
0: Well, with you. Going through, did you do the fertility? Frater, the I can't even say it. The uh, fertility treatments. Were you doing any of that?
1: No. Um. They put me on metformin for a while, which is diabetic diabetic medication, just because um you can be insulin resistant, um gain weight without even trying. You know that makes having a kid harder. Um.
0: So when did you realize after you you went through the nine months, you never saw anything different, like no complicated in your pregnancy or anything.
1: Well, when I went to the doctor, I was already almost to my second trimester. So I was probably seven weeks pregnant at the time. And uh, I wasn't sick or anything. I worked in surgery at, at the time. I was around a whole bunch of x-rays, um, doing all kinds of stuff that pregnant people shouldn't do. intertubing, um, smoking, drinking. So, you know, that concerned me. During my pregnancy, but I didn't really have any issues till towards the end of my pregnancy. Um, my blood pressure was really high. I wasn't preeclamptic or anything, but they decided to induce me and take him early. Okay. Um,
0: How early was he?
1: He was just 39 weeks, just a week oh, okay. early. Yeah. Okay. So um, we did that, and his heart rate kept decelling. Like, over and over and over again, the, the nurses come running in the room, have me turn over and turn the other way, try to get his heart rate back up. And um, they stuck me with the epidural 12 times. Jesus yeah. Christ. Um, Did you feel any of that? Oh, yeah. That was oh, God, so painful. Um, then they decided they were going to do a C-section just because his heart rate kept desailing. And they couldn't get the epidural to work. I was already 10 centimeters, but, I mean, it wasn't pushing wasn't going nowhere so we tried one last time for the epidural and they were like you know if you if it doesn't take then you're gonna have to be put to sleep and you know that meant Chris can't be in the room so at that moment I'm just thinking you know well I'll get pregnant you know after all this time and then he's not even going to get to experience it it was just a whole bunch of emotion but thankfully it did and he was here shortly after.
0: So when did you start realizing that there was something going on with your son?
1: Well, like I said, I'm a first-time mom, but it's just something about it that you just know, even as a first-time mom. Um, Five months old, I can clearly remember he um, would—we had this spot in our recliner where it was kind of peeling the leather, and he would sit there, and he would scratch it and just keep making the spot bigger, and he would just be focused on that and do it for like an hour. Um, He would— make little hand motions that look like a, like a little crab. I thought, you know, maybe he's just learning to wave by or something, but it kept on and kept on. And I mean, he wasn't trying, he wasn't learning to wave by that was just, he was hand flapping. Um, which, so he was doing his tics. basically. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So,
0: I mean, when did you take the situation serious? Because early on you don't think, cause like even Jude, like a lot of people don't know, like Jude's a very, very smart kid. But they didn't realize that Jude didn't almost talk, like actually talk like sentences until he was almost four years old. And see, people talking to him now, you would never think that. But, you know, I did everything I could. You know, I took him to ear specialists, hearing specialists. I took him to every occupational therapy that I could take him to, speech therapy, I had people coming to the house and doing all that. Like, And no one could explain to me why he was developmentally delayed. It just happened. And one morning, and it's so cliche to say, but one morning he actually did just wake up and started talking. It didn't mm-hmm. make any sense to me i didn't I didn't question it. I just thank God that it it turned out like he started learning and like started doing things that he had developed over time, like muscle memory, I guess, and he was just everything he had learned to started coming out. So when did you actually take the whole situation serious with your son?
1: Well, I had his nine month checkup um his pediatrician at the time. she had me fill out some paperwork and a big thing was that he started eating baby food, but then he regre- regressed. Um, he would gag on puree food. I was, at first, I was like, you know what? Maybe he just doesn't like green peas, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't blame him. That's gross. <laughs> but um, after, after a little bit, you know, it did become concerning. And I told his pediatrician about it. And then she started doing other tests, like making noises and trying to get them to look at her and stuff. And she, she got really concerned. And that's when I got concerned. So she set him up with all these therapy evaluations. Mm-hmm.
0: Did yeah. you see any progression through that? The therapy? Yeah.
1: Not until just recently. Okay. And he's two and a half now. Okay. Um, he does... PT, OT, Mm -hmm. and speech. Right. And feeding, which speech and feeding's in the same.
0: Yeah. So how's he doing with the food and stuff?
1: He's good now. He likes his certain things, you know, the typical.
0: I think a lot of autistic kids have their own, like, their go-to. I think a lot of them are very particular. I know know, uh, someone who had an autistic kid who would only eat off a red plate. Like that's mm-hmm. all that we, if it wasn't red, they ain't eating off of it. I don't care if it's their favorite food. Right. It was just like a magnetic pull away from anything that wasn't red. Um, So when, when you got the diagnosis, how did you and your husband take the seriousness of that? Because it is not something easy. It's not just like you're getting, oh, well you you know, you go to the doctor, you're sick and they tell you, oh, you know what? Don't worry about it. You just got strep. No, like this is a lifelong situation with a long road ahead of you. How did you and your husband take that?
1: So, he was doing therapy, you know, way before he got his diagnosis. But he got his diagnosis maybe it was five days after his second birthday. So, we just go in and they just interact with him. It's a child psychologist. Um, she just goes in and interacts with him. And, um, you know, hearing that your child has autism... And then reading the report, and, you know, there's levels. There's level one, level two, level three. Um, He's level two, which is moderate, and it means that he'll probably need moderate, you know, help. Um, Which we already kind of knew that this was going to happen. But at the same time, knowing that it's going to happen and then hearing it from someone else and having it on paper, it just really gets to you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause I know when they told me at Vanderbilt that Noah, when they were going to release him from the hospital, they sat in that room and they told me the show. they said, look like Noah's out of the woods. Now we're, we're going to discharge him from here. Like he's healthy enough to leave. He was in there for like three months, I think. And they said, look, he's helping, but you, you have to understand, you have to grasp the concept that you have a long way to go with him. Like, he may never walk, he, never, he may never talk, he may not do anything that normal kids would do. And they said, you have to prepare yourself for that. And me and show at the time, we were just so grateful that he was coming home. You know, he was around family, you know. Oh, we don't care, you know, we'll do whatever we have to do. Like, saying that at that time was saying it lightly. Because as years have went on, I know it's seven now, but as years have went on, like... It has been very difficult like i i'm not saying it's like it's an issue but i can see how trying it is well you know well a show had a uh her first son you know noah you know was disabled so i can see where there could be some kind you know some common ground there but like the the thought of someone telling you hey like i don't think you understand what you're in for i mean yeah, this is your, you know, your child and everything, you're going to have to be there, but, like, just know it won't be an easy road, and, boy, they weren't lying, because, you know, with the therapies and everything, and, like, we're just so happy when Noah makes just a little bit of progress, you know, because it means a lot to us. Um, When you got a diagnosis, and you, like you said, you read it on paper, and then you realize the severity of it, how did that do to your emotional state? Did you ever get depressed?
1: Well, after he was born, you know, I was depressed for the whole infertility thing. After right. he was born, I felt alive for the first time, probably in my entire life. Right. Um, and then this, him being diagnosed, there was a lot of guilt, and there still is, and I think there always will be, just because.
0: You think you think something you did wrong? Yeah,
1: well, like, how? you know, not finding out I was pregnant until seven weeks. I was smoking, I was intertubing, I was drinking. I was doing anything a normal 21-year-old at the time would do. Um, You know, being in surgery, doing just everything. And I just, I sit there and I wonder all the time, you know, is, is it because of me or does he deserve someone better than me to be his mother?
0: All right. Are you a religious person?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well then it would always say that, you know, people were put in your life for a reason and I really don't think God would have put your son with you if he didn't think you were completely capable and utterly capable of doing it. There's always been a there's always been a factor of guilt on the mother's part. I've always heard about that kind of stuff. Like what you know, maybe it's something that I did, maybe it's this, you know, I think I don't want to speak out of out of turn, but if I, you know, if Lashelle was thinking that, facts will tell you that the only reason Noah has CP right now is because he was deprived of oxygen for thirty to sixty seconds, and that has nothing to do with anything she did, because Noah came seven weeks early. So, you know, it's just I, I don't, I get, I, I get why the. The blame you like the mothers feel that they had to blame themselves, but I really feel like everything is done for a reason, and I really don't think that your kid would have gotten a better mom who could be more understanding. Because ever since this happened, like like you said, you you started an outlet for your blog, and now you're you're being a, a you know a, a big advocate for it, and you're speaking on it, and you're trying to help other people who do the same thing. But how do you get other mothers to deal with depression? How did you deal with it?
1: Well, I recently um. Started going to a autism parent support group in Jackson. Um, she's really helped me a lot in understanding, you know, why I'm so depressed over it. And we've come to the conclusion I'm an overthinker and I have these automatic thoughts, you know, the what ifs and everything. Um, I'm still getting through it. And honestly, you know, the whole depression, I don't think it'll ever go away. But,
0: why do you know, t- he why, why don't you think it'll ever go away? Like, you don't think you're strong enough at this point? I
1: mean, I do, but there will always be the what-ifs. Um, my biggest fear is him not ever getting to hear him tell me he loves me. Yeah. Um, he's good at showing it, but, you know, it's just the fact of hearing it. And another big thing is... Um, bullying i'm terrified yeah terrified for him to get his feelings hurt
0: and i think that's because we both went to crocker county Mm -hmm. i know you don't live there now but we both know how school is right we both know how cruel kids can be just in in general fact that we were the way that same way too whether we're being funny or we were actually being cruel
1: and i mean there really is a lot of cruel people in the world um I've had patients refer to other patients. You know, I have some special needs patients where I work. And, and, you know, we might get them back first just so they're not out in the waiting room around all the commotion, you know, so we can get them out of there. And I've had a woman say, why did he get to go first? Is it because he's inferior? And he said that, and she said that right in front of me. And I just, you know, it's all you can do to keep your mouth shut, you know, be professional at your job. But... Mm -hmm.
0: Is she talking about another kid one of your patients um, or what she talking she about she
1: was talking about my special needs patient that I got back before her oh okay when she was first
0: that shows character of people it because does. i mean you don't kid especially now like you're not you, people can't help what they have and like people like that it just shows like their insensitivity to a lot of these situations you know because people like us who take it super serious like i'll never again like Make a joke about, you know, someone being slow or someone being mentally challenged or something like, cause we used to do it back in school, but like we were just being funny. Like right. we weren't trying and to hurt anyone's feelings.
1: You know, when you don't have a kid, a special needs child, you don't think about those things when you talk about it. Right. Now it's like, I can hear people around me and, you know, the slightest little thing that you wouldn't even think about bothers me just yeah. because, you know, the way it's said. and. Not that I'm not happy, you know, for their children if, you know, you know, they're in the gifted program. They're yeah. um, doing all this stuff at school, playing t-ball and stuff. And, I'm, I mean, I'm not bitter about it. I'm happy for them. But at the same time, it leaves me with a lot of what-ifs. Like, yeah. will well, my son ever get that opportunity or get to do that?
0: Well, it's a it's a selfish nature that everyone has. Like, they want their kids to be the best that they can be. There's nothing wrong with being a little bit selfish to have the best for what your kid can do. Like, I want my son to go play football like I did. I want him to go play baseball like I did. But would he ever do it? Maybe his interests don't fall in that category. You know, I can't, I can only be selfish and say, man, I really wish you to play baseball. I would love to see him go out there and play baseball. But that might not be something he wants to do. And it's just a selfish, it's a selfish way of thinking for every parent because every parent thinks that way. Um, I know how it affected you and I know how it affected your husband. How did it, sit well with either one of your families being that did y'all have any Did they have any of them in you know in their family that had autism
1: no um i will say this sorry mom but um (laughs) at first my my mom she was in denial um because she works with special needs kids and she she was just like there's no way you know but you know she she's accepted it now
0: when she when she realized that this was true how you know did y'all ever have that conversation
1: she's been keeping him a lot through the summer and her accepting it and realizing it um she does so amazing with him she'll she has his own little sensory table at her house she works with him. Mm-hmm. um my parents and chris's parents they they do amazing with him. um you know you can ask for better grandparents
0: mm-hmm. what about other family members
1: there's some discrimination there um i'm not gonna you know name names or anything just out of respect for other family members but um there's some favoritism you know within within the kids that that are in the family no one's definitely the outcast no one's the one that doesn't get included um
0: treated differently
1: oh definitely they don't even acknowledge him there was an incident where we were swimming and all the kids were in the pool and I was in the pool with Nolan and um, a certain someone came around and, and all, acknowledged all the kids. You know, Nolan was just looking at him, smiling, I guess, waiting for him to say something to him. never said a word. And it was so noticeable that, you know, even Chris's dad noticed it and said something like, what is this problem? I mean, it's just so noticeable. And what
0: extremely it, disrespectful that is
1: and honestly, you know, all I can say about it is they're missing out.
0: Well, that's see that's the silver lining to a lot of it is you know, no one's never going to know the hate and, and 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 the hateful nature that some people can have towards other people. All he's going to see is good. So even when he experienced what you said happened and what he's what he personally saw like he any other time like Jude would have, you know, if it was a reverse why didn't you say hi to me? You know, it was just one of those things that luckily the the benefit of the whole situation is he'll never be able to see how cruel the world really is. So did you ever confront that individual about
1: um, that behavior? Well, I talked about it with my counselor and parent support group. And, you know, I was going to try to, you know, do an empathetic approach and maybe write a card from no one it in their mailbox saying, hey, you know, because before his diagnosis, you know, they used to they used to acknowledge him, and and um, they'd ride him around, and I don't know what it's called. I call it a golf cart, but it's not a golf cart. Um, they'd ride him around in it and stuff and include him, and it's like ever since his diagnosis, you know, that's just not there anymore, and I was going to ride him a cart from no one saying, you know, I would really like it if you'd ride me in your golf cart, and even though I can't tell you I love you or show you I love you just know that I do I just can't express it um but after you know things keep going on and on I just I've decided not to do that and
0: do you feel like you're better off even though they're they're part of that I feel
1: like I feel like even if I did do it and things might change for a little bit but they would just go back to how they are now and you know I've tried to give them the benefit of the doubt I've tried to say You know, maybe they're older, they don't get it. You know, like people back in the day, you know, special needs kids were in institutions. You know, you didn't really mess with them. They don't get it. But I can't say that I think they're not doing it on purpose because I think they are. You know, it's just too, it's too noticeable just to brush it off and say, oh, they they don't realize they're doing it.
0: Yeah. Have you become more avoidant towards that person? Like, do you try to keep your son away from him at at some cost?
1: Honestly, if they came to a place Nolan uh, was, I'd probably just take Nolan right out of there. Because I honestly don't want them around him. And, I mean, they'll comment on my stuff on Facebook, which, you know, acting like they care. But... I'm not going to let you use Facebook to keep up with him when you live right next door and you can come and you can see how he is and be involved in his life. I mean, that's their decision. So,
0: well, the good thing about it is it's when you have a realization of your surroundings and how people treat you and how they treat your son. Cause you're, I mean, our kids are our extensions of ourselves. They should be as respectful to them as they are to us. That's how I always felt. So when even whenever, if anyone would ever disrespect my kid, they're disrespecting me because that's an extension of me. When you when you have that realization and you realize that sometimes you're just better off without leaving the, leaving the toxic people out of your life, it's just the weight of oh, are they going to do this again or are they going to do that again or how am I going to handle it if they do this again? Like you don't have to worry about it anymore because then at that point the friendship, if it was one or a relationship is dissolved at that point. You know, you don't have to worry about that type right. of behavior anymore. There's no
1: worrying about you know, disappointment after disappointment after a while.
0: So when the, when you started going to these therapy groups, did you go in there as a broken mother with a lot of thoughts and a lot of questions?
1: I did. Um, which now he goes back there by himself and, and does therapy just because he's a mama's boy. So, um, he doesn't really cooperate when I'm around. So, um, But sitting in the waiting room and looking around and looking at the other parents and stuff, it just made me realize, like this may sound weird, but being at therapy in the waiting room, it makes me not feel alone just because I know there's other parents going through it.
0: Yeah. You're surrounded by people with the same feelings and environment and, you know, late night thoughts. I mean, I'm sure that, you know, the worst part about having that situation is when, you, when you're when you early on into the stages of what you're dealing with, you think about it more at nighttime. I, I know it did for me. Now, I don't know if it does for you, but I think about it more at nighttime because then I'm winding down, I'm relaxing, and then it pops into your head, you know? Um, yeah, it's like my
1: mind can never shut off at night. There's always the what ifs. There's always the what if I go to work tomorrow and I miss him telling someone he loves them, mm-hmm. you know? It's just... It's hard, you know, working full time um, and then coming home and then working with him. And it's just a continuous process that never ends. And then there's the therapies every week. And, you know. Jeez, it's, those are exhausting. It is. They really are. And it's not like it, you can just cut that off whenever it's right. short term because it's, it's going to be long term.
0: Mm-hmm. When you went to that therapy group, did you hear any stories that were worse than yours? Or did you feel anything that well, you were actually, really relatable? Well, um,
1: actually, I'm the only person in the support group right now. Uh-huh. Um, my counselor, though, she has an autistic daughter, so
0: oh, um, okay. that's good. She but, gives you insight, then.
1: Oh, yeah, she does. But if anyone's in the Jackson area and wants to go, <laughs> um, please come because the more the merrier.
0: Right. So when you when you have the notion and the knowledge of being a nurse and knowing the road ahead of you. And now that you started this blog, what are you hoping to accomplish with it? Because you started it as a, as a way to have an outlet to speak on it. Cause you know, you don't realize how deep a situation is or how far gone you are into a certain thing until you hear yourself out loud say it. Cause you know, a lot of times when you say it out loud, you're like, wow, like I didn't realize it was that serious, you know? And now that you're blogging about it, what are you hoping to accomplish with it?
1: i just want to raise awareness more than anything i know you can't change people and i know you can't change this cruel world but just some understanding would be nice um being a nurse and being a mom two totally different things like i like i know statistics i know i have all that knowledge but as far as being no one's mom it's still fears it's still things i worry about um And it's just, it's hard.
0: Do you think you'll ever get past a depression?
1: I don't. Mm -mm.
0: You think it'll always stand still with you no matter what? I do. Even if you see him progress more and more and more, do you always feel like you're going to have a guilty part of you about it? I do. I wonder if that would ever change as far as, you know, the support of your family. You got two sets of grandparents who were, like you said, unbelievable with them. And you have so much room for improvement for your son to learn, learn, learn with all the tools and everything they have now. I really hope that someday you'll find peace with it and realize that, you know, these aren't something, you know, these situations aren't due by faults. These are just due by just nature and what happens. And that, you know, in God's way, we have to basically trust what he puts in our life, you know.
1: No one definitely gave me my purpose in life right so
0: because i know you've always used like you said you were ever doubting that when you got married that you would never be able to have a kid and then out of a random spark of luck you ended up having you know having a kid you know maybe it didn't go the way you think it was going to go but this is your this is your this is your path like this is something that you know god has put in your life for you to conquer and to help your son conquer too and I think it'll teach you stuff along the way. I really will.
1: I hope so. Um The depression is not it's not because no, you know, no one is the way he is. I love the way he is and I wouldn't change a thing about him. Right. It's just fear. The you know, the bullying, the people not getting it. Mhm. And you know, as a parent, you don't like to see your child hurt. Right. So,
0: misinformed people are the worst people <laughs> really because are. they could. I mean, and to think of it, look at toddlers and stuff like that. Between the ages of whatever they talk to, about eight or nine or ten, like they are the most honest people, and like they just speak without thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, I've seen kids look at Noah. I mean, I was at Walmart one time. I remember it vividly. It's this little redheaded boy he didn't know any better you know he was just a kid in the toy section and jude was out there and i had noah in his wheelchair and he looked at his mom and he says why does he look like that you know and i'm just yeah. like i know he didn't mean anything by it i know he was just curious but the mom said him straight too she's like there's nothing wrong with him so you need to like watch what you say and i'm just like that was that to me like that was the right way to approach it because right. not only is she showing him Don't look at people any other way than yourself, but be respectful too. So,
1: And I wish all parents wouldn't teach their kids, you know? Yeah. I mean, and I hate to say this with everything going on, but, you know, disabilities, it's kind of like race. Yeah. You're born that way. It's a part of who they are. Mm -hmm. You know, and you shouldn't look at it any differently. You know, everybody should be educated on it. Yeah. So.
0: Well, hopefully it'll raise awareness to it. And when people listen to this, they'll start getting a little bit of more perspective from a mother who is a nurse who does have knowledge of it and have a kid who has autism. Um, where can they find your blog at?
1: My blog is lifewithnolimit.com. Mm-hmm.
0: Is um, it on Facebook too?
1: I have a page of it on Facebook, but my blogs are on the actual website. Um, I sell things just to... Um, Right now, Nolan gets TIS, which is a assistance program to help cover his therapies because, you know, therapies are very expensive. Um, but right before he turns three, that will cut off. And, you know, you do your research and see what you're eligible for as far as help, you know, when you have a special needs child. And it's so crazy that It's hard to get any help if you make a certain amount of income. Um,
0: It almost sucks because we weren't planning on having kids with disabilities. But we also, it sucks because, like, when we try to better ourselves, we push ourselves further back for assistance that we actually really do need. Like, because it is hard to live a day by day. And make a decent living and live comfortably i'm not saying live well off but like live comfortable enough to where you don't have to go to bed and worry about how you're going to pay something so when you go to work you know you you have a career and then you're paying for stuff and then you have something that like you know a child with the you know with a disability and then you have to pay for stuff there too that was unexpected like it is a little soul crushing that the more you're comfortable financially the more they will take away from you.
1: Right. And it sucks. It really does. It does because I mean just because, you know, you might make good money doesn't mean that you have the money, all that money to spend on therapy. Yeah you know
0: and weekly therapies right many like two or three therapies a week you know those yeah. aren't easy to come it by.
1: adds up it, it adds up <laughs> we've paid for it before so
0: jesus christ mm-hmm. well i tell you what i really appreciate you coming in and talking to me everybody go to the blog page i'm going to post on the link when i do the interview i really appreciate you being open uh the honesty the i saw you know you were getting kind of emotional and like that was just showing me how real this was to you. And I really appreciate you coming in and just giving me some insight on, you know, a mother who is dealing with this kind of stuff. Is there anything you'd like to add before we end?
1: Thank you for having me. Of Um, course. Just teach your kids, you know, (laughs) to be respectful. um, Yeah. And just know that no matter what, you go through no matter even if you don't have a special needs child um there are people there who understand or who'll be there for you because i know that's a big thing for me it's just having people there so
0: well again thank you for talking to me and we'll get these interviews up and everybody uh this is let's discuss it with jay this will be on anchor google podcast and apple podcast thank you